I'm Jimmy Lewis, and this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, the dirt bike podcast where we talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. In show number 31, we visited Fast Company's Flex Handlebars headquarters in Utah, and we talked about kids and mini bikes, KTMs and that other white brand that's kind of like KTMs. We answered the viewer questions. And then even though I'm there talking to Cole Townsend, who's my guest host, about his company, I talked about myself a lot. But um, that happens. This show is brought to you by... Climb has been with this show since the beginning, and I really appreciate that. What I like even better is that the gear is super awesome. I've been wearing it since the beginning. Uh, It's evolved a bunch. It's very durable. Um really good fitting. They have features on their gear that are pretty much uh, industry leading. And I appreciate that because that's what I wear when I get to do fun stuff and I'm comfortable and I like almost everything that they make. So if you are looking for a change of gear or you're looking for the best gear, I think uh, you won't be disappointed by trying climb. So give them a look. Along with Taco Moto. So you've heard us talk about Taco Mike on the show. He's been a guest host a few times. Taco Moto Co., that's how you find him on the web, sells a lot of the kind of cool and unique tuning products that you need to get your emissions-compliant bike running up to snuff. So if you have questions, he has answers, and he can also sell you the stuff. So if we can't answer the question here, which we hope we can. Maybe he can answer the question over there, and he can also sell you the parts that you might need to get your especially KTM or Husky dual sport bike uh, running like a champ. Anyways, it's tacomoto.co. And DDC Racing. That's Delaney Drive Components. They're makers of very strong, durable, chromoly, chrome-plated sprockets. If you've seen these things, they look like Swiss cheese, They're super light for a steel sprocket. They last forever. They come with a one-year warranty, and they are built by riders who really care about keeping riding areas open. So if you're interested in some good drive systems parts, check out ddcracing.net. That's Delaney Drive Components. Now, here's the show. 7.06 on my uh, computer, which means uh, it's 8.06 here, which means we're late. So live from someplace in Utah at the Fast Company headquarters, this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, number 31. I'm Jimmy Lewis. Um, I'm a washed up ex-motorcycle racer who uh, talks about motorcycle and dirt bike related products. I'm sitting here with Cole Townsend, who is half, or mostly half? We're a team. It's a team here. Half of Fast Company. He's got his little groms running around in the background. You didn't know you just got in the photo, did you? Oh, hi. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So uh, we've got some of the fast groms running around in here. We've got a few people in the shop uh, watching us. They haven't started heckling us, which is good because we probably deserve it. But uh, tonight um, we are going to talk about, what did we say we were going to talk about? We've got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions for oh. you. <laughs> so I'm going to get grilled. 
I'm sure. Um, and uh, we'll answer your questions. We're going to start with uh, we're going to start with the questions in the chat room. Just so if you uh, if you get bored of us, you can you know you can leave, and hopefully your question will be answered because that's the reason you're there is because you or is this entertaining? It's entertaining. It's you're entertaining. entertaining. There's lots of people who like to just observe you. We look like twins, though, don't we? Kind of. We're kind of like that twins movie. Yeah, look, at the, look at the shirts. I'm yeah, the they... good looking one. Right. <laughs> I'm the one that has a dent in my head because I ran into something inside of my motorhome. Uh, so, okay. Um, I'm going to, if you have questions, I want you to get them up on this thing because there's a little bit of a delay by the time that we get them. Um, I, uh, I did have, I did have one note on the things, but I'll, I'll answer the first question that I, that I had here. It's like, uh, Hey Jimmy, have you guys ever heard of the modified versions available here in Italy of the CRF 300 RX and CRF 400 RX? I'm pretty sure both kits are made by Athena and mounted by the Italian distributor Red Moto. I was wondering, what are your thoughts on big bore kits on 250 four-strokes? A lot of people love them. Other users are not impressed with the top end, and a few complain they have engine starting issues. So uh, I have heard of them. I have not ridden them. It's been a while since I've ridden a sleeve-down 450, which is what I believe the CRF 400RX is. But I was actually talking to someone at the KTM Adventure Rider Rally, um, uh, Ron Rebolzi, who is a diehard Honda older uh, ISD guy who um, runs uh, E-Line. He's taken over E-Line uh, carbon accessories from Kevin Hines. And he was talking about Matt Stavish, who was another, when I was racing, uh, Honda guy. And he's been running around on, a, I guess, a CRF 400 uh, RX. So, Stavish, the dude from Long Beach? No, no, he's, he's from Minnesota. Oh, that's Land a different, of that's many a different dude. Yeah, Matt Matt Stavish. He was uh, on the ISD team a few times, and but uh, I, evidently he has some experience with the the sleeve down 400s. He's been working on them. Um, I don't know what the kits are. Uh, I know Athena does a lot of that stuff. And then as far as the 300 RX, I suspect that's a bored out or a big bore kitted uh, 250. And I like I said, haven't ridden that either. I know that motor is. It's it's kind of on the edge as a as a 250f, um, you know they're 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 making it so they can get it as light as possible. So going up to a 300, you might have some durability issues with certain things, but you, I wouldn't know until I wrote it. Um, but I'll tell you what, ever since in my experience, ever since we've gone to fuel injection, the the big bore kits have been better because when they're carbureted, it seemed like it seemed like there was a you couldn't get the top end mm -hmm. that you wanted. I mean, they, they, would, they wouldn't rev. And I always thought it was just because you're putting a bigger piston in there. But it, would, it had a lot to do with the carburetor. And somehow the fuel injection seems like it can adapt for that. But like anything, uh, these things are tuned to systems. And you need to... Um, you need to make sure everything's kind of uh, working together. I mean, Honda didn't design that thing thinking somebody was going to put a you know, an extra 50 cc's on top of it. Going all the way to 300 eh, might be a little much. I mean, you know, like when you go to 265 or 280 or something like that, it's kind of in the safe zone. Um, 300, maybe it's got a stroke in it, and then, you know, then you're in a whole different realm. But um, Athena also makes, or they're working with, I know, the Get guys for those, for ECUs. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would have to ride it to be able to tell you, but... Um, Hopefully, Red Moto has them dialed. Love to uh, ride one of those things. So, 
Okay, clean haircut, Jimmy. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I did. I polished it. Nice. Um, let's see. Uh, where are we at? Why are your shirts on backwards? Is that is that because the 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 thing is reversed, kind of thing? Mm. Yeah, I should have thought about that, right? I didn't have time. <laughs> I'm only worried about the audio coming out of this. In reality, I mean, if you're gonna sit there and watch me and complain about my shirt being backwards, I can see you there and here. So it's <laughs> it's well, I can see myself three times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Um, Ride a Sherco 300 four-stroke. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, that's uh, that's really good. Okay, you, you said you have a question. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let my host co-host talk. Oh man, I've I've upgraded from from Logan. Uh, Logan gets the weekend off. He's going to speech therapy or probably um, mental. Um, he's probably trying to you know deprogram after that. So go go ahead there. I got so many things, but I mean, I think. <laughs> I don't know if people really recognize who you are and what you've done and how cool it is. Like, being a kid growing up, uh, like, I had a poster of you on my wall that I acquired from my dad who ran into you at Scott's Performance. I remember seeing you in dirt bike riding in, like, a 92 CR125 off-road. Uh-huh. And then, I don't know, you just had, you would ride everything. You could ride moto, you could ride off-road, you could ride the car. And so, like, just growing up, I think... There's just not many journeyman racers like that, and then you're going to school. You've always had, like, a way different way of going about anything you do. Okay, look, everybody's going to think I paid you to say that, so no, 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 no cut these, the compliments. No, look. it's not a compliment. <laughs> no. It's just observing you. No, cut the, I cut. mean, there's plenty of things that we can make fun of you about. <laughs> Don't Please. spin your wheel, no roosting, no slipping the clutch. There's lots of things, that, but I think people don't always recognize, like, all how cool your background is, how well-versed you are. Um... And it's just something, one, I admired as a kid, and then growing up, seeing you riding, and then in business, it's it's pretty cool to be here and do this and and just experience this with you and get to pick your brain some, so that's cool. I'm excited to be here. I think, tell us, how did you get started riding? I rode, I rode a Honda 50 into the side of my mom's uh, friend's car. It wasn't mine. I, I really wanted to ride it, and I, I told him I knew how to ride it, and I did, right into the side of the car. And that was, the, that was after that, you know, that's all I wanted to do was ride dirt bikes. So that was, like, pr- the most pivotal moment of your life? Um, motorcycles. Uh, yeah, yeah, motorcycles, yeah. sure. I mean, I knew. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 and it's the same today. I mean, I've tried a lot of different stuff, and motorcycles are pretty fun. So yeah. I'm, I'm lucky in, the, in that respect for sure. I think that's the universal thing is... Your initial experience, whoever it is with motorcycles, we got some guys in the audience that started riding a little late, but it's like the, the change agent of your life, and I think that's a really cool thing about everybody is collective bonding and really... Yeah, and I mean, you, you, you've, it was your hobby, and now you've made it your job, which is your, your life, and look at the yeah. kids, kids, that's their life, right? It's uh, our, I like our whole their, life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every day. But so you guys didn't so get down. to ride today, did you? <laughs> you didn't ride anything today? Well, well we rode mountain bikes. We rode everything. Yeah, everything but motorcycles. No pit bikes today? I mean, it started mine. <laughs> Just make sure it starts. Yeah. 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 yeah, riding every day for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a lot of questions, but I think, like, some of it maybe is just me geeking out because knowing your background. Like, oh, we're gonna. I'm gonna pick on you in a little while too. Okay, so you can ahead. do that. That's, that's what. That's what a co-host for. Yeah. Well, the first thing is if you have ever been riding with Jimmy off road, you basically know that 
you might not return home that day. So you might you got to be prepared to be there for a night or two and be comfortable with that. And I've been with guys that aren't always comfortable with that. So no, I, I have I have rules, and, I, and I'm very clear about this. When 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 we go riding, you're going to run out of one of three things when when you go riding with me. You're going to run out of gasoline in your motorcycle. Done that. Yeah, you're going to run out of. Uh, Daylight. We've done that. Yeah. Or you're going to run out of energy in your body. Yeah, we've done all three. Yeah. So you can do something about two of those pretty easy. They make these things called headlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you put one on your motorcycle. We were sharing you... one headlight for three bikes. Well, yeah, but I, I explained that before. And then and then gasoline, they make bigger gas tanks, right? Or, you you know, you've made arrangements. So you, you bigger gas tanks. The energy in the body, that's the one I can't help people with. Um, I mean, I, I can. I can suggest, you know, training or... Or, or conserving energy, you know, you can do it two ways. You can learn how to ride better and not use your energy, or you can just get in really good shape and use all kinds of energy. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, and I used to have this thing about, like, you know, I'd say, hey, let's go on a half-day trail ride, and people like, yeah, yeah, perfect, half-day. That's like half-day trail work? Well, it's the same kind of how thing. How many it's, hours is a half-day in general? Twelve. Okay. That's 12 hours a half of a day, right? We didn't know this going in, but... Yeah, 12 hours is, is a... Ha- I mean, come on. How many days? 24 and kind of yeah. 12, right? And then, and then but but there's one caveat. It's not it's not a half-day trail ride. In, in our old world, it used to be um, 150 miles or 12 hours, whichever came last. Mm. So you had, to, you had to ride at least 150 yeah. miles. On, and this isn't just desert riding. This was usually kind of trail, technical trail riding. So that was one of the... the those are the rules, and 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 unless unless my wife was there, if Heather went riding, then it was going to be okay because I don't want to kill her. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she that's debatable. She, she, you know, she she abided by those rules for a little while, but she learned, quickly learned. It's like I'm not going to ride with you anymore. And Heather's a good rider. Yeah, but and it, she's tough. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that was those are those were the those are the rules. So okay, back to the what, what I see. You got a whole lot of oh, scribble down I there. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We can talk about stuff. Okay. Um, let's get, let's, back let's to get to another question. Uh, hey, Jimmy, been enjoying your site and tech talks. Uh, I'm, this is, uh, this is uh, the Mobergs. Uh, you know, I'm going to start trying to pronounce names, and it's not very good. I'm looking for some advice on my next bike. Currently, on a, I'm currently on a 2017 KTM 300 XC with a smart carb, a head, a pipe, a race tech goal valve. It's done by me, which I love. Favorite bike ever. Um, since 2013, I switched back to two strokes from KTM 450s. The last four-stroke I owned was a 2011 um, KTM 450 6A's edition. I race hair scrambles and enduros with my son and trail ride, and lately joined a new MX track in my area, so I'm having a blast learning tracks. I'm 51 years old, so I ride the 50A class, and I'm a top three guy. So I'm struggling with a new 300 or switching to a 350 XCF or XCFW. Why 350? Well, the racer in me sees them winning everything off-road, and maybe the power will be smoother. I live in Colorado at 6,600 feet, so when I go down in elevation, the 300 can be a handful. Also, um, would be a better. Uh, also, would be a better track bike. No ambitions on racing moto, but I like to practice vet tracks. Um, so I think like three episodes ago, because somebody said, "Hey, Jimmy, my name's Tom, and uh, I'm torn between a 450 and a." KTM, you know, 125. What's the bike for me? And I said, oh, you got to give me more information. So now I'm getting all the information. I'm, I'm slowly reading your life story, and and I'm I'm still kind of finding myself perplexed. So when you just go, God, would you I, I just get to my question? It's down there, and like you're going, put yourself in this guy's shoes, and start thinking, man, I do. So so I'm hoping that after like maybe a hundred episodes, 
I'll have to answer like less, like which is the best bike we'll for establish me. establish that. Questions? Yeah, we'll kind of have a baseline and you'll say, well, oh, I fit in like this guy and, and maybe I'm uh, here. So, but this is, a, this is a really common thing. This guy, and here's the biggest thing I just take from it. He's a two-stroke guy now. I, I promise you, if you buy a four-stroke, you're going to kind of have fun riding just because it's a little bit different. You know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you've been on your four-stroke for a while, switch it, you know, it's easy to switch it up and go to, go to, you know, two-stroke, switch back, for, or if you've been on four-stroke for a while, switching to two-stroke kind of adds a little bit of uh, fun, uh, unless you absolutely hate um, uh, four-strokes or hate two-strokes, because there's those guys out there. Um, so that's number one. If, if you're on the two-stroke, maybe go ahead and try the four-stroke. The 350, um, uh, you know, so you're, you're talking about definitely a little bit lower on power. It's 6,600 feet. You're not going to notice it too much. It's like when you get about on eight or nine is when you start feeling it. Um, uh, between XCF and XCW, you're starting to say you like the track, then go XCF. Um, not so much the W. Um, Have you ridden a TPI bike on a track? Yeah. yeah I raced one. What'd you think? I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's only a top three guy, but I won. I got so first I place. Expect in anything 50, less than fifty-eight. We wouldn't be talking if you didn't. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but uh, are you plus fifty now? Uh huh. Yeah, means yeah. I'm getting old too. Yeah, <laughs> we all get old at the same age. So, um, man, you know, on all those bikes, you can't. Again, they're all good bikes. You really can't go can't go wrong. Um, I see that you. You know, and, and, and if you go with a smart carb, so if you put a smart carb on and you liked it, you like smoother, longer power. So, yeah, four-stroke, you're not going to be disappointed at all. And, and if your 300 is a handful, then the 350 might be the right direction. I'm going to say 350 XCF. Changing up is always fun, going back and forth. Yeah. What do you have? You have, you have, have 500. I have a FC 450 right now. FC 450. But That's, I had a 250 last year. What's that? that a I, TC 250. Yeah, I know that brand. That brand is, um, it's, um, uh... Husqvarna? Husqvarna. Yeah, I don't remember. I haven't ridden one for a while. Um, let's see. Black Bone AMX. Uh, Dirt Bike Test Jimmy. I ride a 2019 TE300i. Absolutely love the bike. I weigh 195, 230 with all of my gear, plus I have installed an enduro engineering chainsaw mount with an LED light and pack a still MS-193T chainsaw with a 16-inch bar. Now, that's specific. Now, I, I know exactly where, this, where a Blackbone MX is. Uh, let's see. Um, when out clearing uh, trails, I adjust the uh, fork preload to full tension. Um, when I have the need to rip, I simply back off the preload and leave the saw in the truck. Uh, and by the way, thanks for clearing trails. We, uh, everybody who rides trails that need to be cleared really appreciate your work. And, uh, oh yes, I removed the stock 2x6 seat and installed a seat concept foam and cover. Anyways, I purchased a 1998 EXC 250 in 1997 and ran over 9,000 miles without needing any upper end work. Um, always at least five air filters on hand. Let's see, the top end was in perfect shape when I sold it to purchase the 2004 EXC 450. I always felt uh, safe to make 86 mile loop, and so we're getting into the I want to pack extra fuel when approaching a 70-mile loop. Uh, I will be upgrading to a 2021 model. I'm 62 years old. I'm, now I'm paraphrasing because this is getting long. Um, 
What's the question? <laughs> uh, I only use the kickstart. I like laying my bike. I don't like using the kickstand. I like laying my bikes on the side. Um, yeah, and uh, is there a I think question? It's a state, just uh, there's a statement. I thought I read it and there was a question there. Maybe I cut something off. Sounds like you're dialed in. Um, yeah. So, is this the dude that wrote on the signs? Black, remember? Oh, bad! Oh, the bad rock, the bad rock yeah, up in the up in the mountains, bone, in that place where I don't tell anybody where I ride. That place? No, it it might be. Really? It could be. It might Look be. Look at that bike chainsaw. <laughs> he wore all black. Yeah, yeah. He says he rides in number two mode. A little. He averaged seventeen miles an hour when he rides. I mean, we're we're getting pretty specific here. Uh, I consider TPI bikes stop and drop. Uh, I think so. I think what he's asking is like, can you just lay it over on its side and it doesn't leak any gas? And the answer is yes. I That's, think that would be a great bike for any TPI <laughs> bike. Yeah, it's electric starts, got all the stuff. Um, okay, Justin Brady, Bradley uh, says, and these are from the uh, Facebook posts. Uh, not sure I'll be able to watch, but I'm curious if I should change out the bushings on my flex bars periodically, periodically, like a time interval or hours or time of riding. You know what? I just happen to be sitting next to an expert and I'm gonna defer that question to Cole. What if I did for a back off, do you change yours? Because you ride more than anybody. Uh, You've got- Okay, so in the in the early days, early, early days, back when the, the bar ends were silver, and that's mm -hmm. kind of how I can tell. And some of them, even the silver ones, I still haven't changed. I have not had to do any maintenance on my flex bars um, at all. So- um, I would- Typically, we got we have customers that change them every six months or so to guys that have been riding them for 15 years and never changed them. They've definitely degraded over that time, but slightly, so they're probably used to them, how, how much they've softened up. Um, I'd say every year or so. It's, it's not, especially if you're riding frequently. Um, a, a easy trick if you want to freshen them up is just rotate the elastomer 180 degrees, and then you'll have a fresh cut again for... A period of time and then it it'll, it might degrade slightly but they're really resilient we spend a lot of time on our elastomers um improving materials all the time working on diff different durometers and spring rates and rebounds so um, I, I think he's i think he's talking about the the, the bushings in the in the pivot you know, he's probably I, changing he's probably talking about elastomers it says well it says how at the bushings on That's my flex bar yeah. so he's calling the elastomer a bushing yeah. so i do change my elastomers i mean they you know they seem like they, they after about two two years they're they're beat I mean they, yeah. they get indented and stuff and, and twenty three you know, ninety nine feel twenty three ninety nine for a full rebuild kit um I'll get your bars back to, to basically brand new and you're ready to roll so and, and I even heard if you're watching this right now even though Justin oh, yeah. said you're not watching it you might be eligible for a discount code DBT at checkout ten percent off. Wow. Okay. So there you go. So it's now it's uh, t t about twenty bucks. So um, and then you, you get a whole you get a whole bunch of colors in that. Yeah, you? it comes with three of your choice, or you can buy just an off-the-shelf kit, whatever you prefer. We would love to talk to you about your elastomer setup. We would love to talk to our customers. So shoot us a call, shoot us an email, a DM, what, however you prefer to reach out. Um, tell us what you're doing, what you're riding, how tall you are. We'll have a bunch of questions for you, and we'll help you fine-tune them. It's just. The bars are pretty set and forget it to some degree, but especially after you spend a little time fine-tuning, there's just big returns you can get out of them, and we're always here for questions. So we'd love to hear from you. 
and and get you completely dialed in. It, Jimmy's it, it, it makes it makes a big difference when they're when they're fair. I mean, they just they feel good. And and when we were ta- I thought he was talking about like the pivot, the actual yeah. bushing pivot. And like we said in the early days, yeah. um, those those they were actually tighter, right? Yeah, originally it, it was a, a steel pivot pin and aluminum bore, which we honed, which was yeah. really really difficult. So now we have a proprietary fiber bushing that has memory, has a lubrication principle, has a vibration reduction characteristic. So it's just a much improved pivot point, makes the bar handle just work way better, um, reduces vibration. The, the handle's completely isolated from touching metal to metal at any point. Grab, so. grab that thing. Yeah, so here's so our original some, proof of concept. some history. So what you, you, what you, if you're listening, what you're looking at is a... The first product or pre-production Proof of concept. And it's, it's seven eighths in the Seven eighths, because then yeah, when we started <laughs> developing it, most bikes were seven eighths. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's no crossbar on it. It's got like very similar to yeah. current day we, pivots and yeah. pieces. We thought we you know originally we you you we the integrity would be there to do it without a crossbar, but the the reality is when you don't have a crossbar and don't box the pivot points, the bar can rotate, can have yaw, can go 360 degrees, things that, that are <laughs> off-putting. So um, it gives, it's just not isolating the, the performance and, and doesn't allow for a precise feel and traditional characteristics. So that's a huge thing for us is being very precise in the steer path while forgiving in the load path. It's funny because it all looks aluminum. It's all, yeah. it looks, this thing is heavy. Yeah, it's yeah. just straight billet <laughs> stuff just carved out. I mean, the the pins are actually CR250 piston pins. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, or no, they or these aren't original. We went okay. the next one <laughs> with wrist pins. Yeah, we the next <laughs> proof of concept we did did wrist pins because these pins were just solid steel and real heavy. So yeah, the old days. Yeah. So it's just yeah, just different proof of concept to see if it worked and. In general, kind of worked, but didn't really meet our philosophy of abuse reduction and characteristic. So, okay, Jacob Gonzalez house. Haven't been able to tell the difference with my flex bars. I left them alone with red dampers since the install. Should I change the dampers, and will this allow me to notice more of a difference? Yes, for sure. I mean, we encourage all our riders to test all the elastomer setups. The red. If you're a moto guy or you're tall and have a lot of leverage, that, that can work well right off the shelf. But for most people, they're going to want to run a yellow or compression, yellow or blue compression. Um, I mean, we've recently discussed just switching all our, all our production stuff to yellow because it's very resilient, has a traditional feel, but really absorbs the, the abuse. Um, so start with yellow. Uh, set it so the nut has three threads showing outside of it, and that's your baseline. If you go in, it's going to stiffen it up slightly out. It's going to make it more compliant. Um, after you try that, definitely try the blue. Shoot us a call or email. We'd love to chat with and you about blue, it. Blue softer. Blue softer. Yeah. Yep. There's. I mean. I mean, I, really, I, really, I run a lot of times mostly reds, and it just it's just because that's I don't really want my bars to move. I don't want. Yeah. And, but even with yellows, they don't really. You don't quote move. We don't a properly set up flex handlebar. You should not notice it get it moving until you're like, this is gonna hurt when you hit a huge G out, face a jump, case a jump, go long. Um, some catastrophic impact where we're going to spread that that load over a greater period of time. So it, it, our philosophy is not for you to generally notice it. You, a lot of guys don't notice until they go back to a traditional bar and ride that, and then the, the difference is just shocking. So um, it's really subtle. It, it's I, sh- I think I think when especially especially with as stiff as chassis are, and and if you're like if you're running like a like a do, a twin wall or something mm-hmm. like that. 
and it in and you hop on a, like a flex bar with a yellow, you're gonna feel them. Move. Yeah, you, for you, sure. You will feel them. You will feel the move. In the, in the beginning, that's kind of a weird thing because mm-hmm. if your if your regular handlebars did that a little bit, but I don't even notice anymore. And, yeah. And and going you know going from. Um, some of my bikes that have harder ones or softer ones, or then the worst thing is when I have to go ride like I did yesterday. I rode some of these brand new KTM, and the bars and those are actually pretty flexy for a standard bar. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're trying to make it like that, but my wrists hurt. I yeah. mean, I mean, and I'm I'm being serious. It's the difference between me riding, being able to ride every day, and you know the wrist's not hurting at the end of the day. For sure. And and the test I always tell people to do it's real simple. Just walk up to find a bike with flex bars. Just walk up and just do it. Just do a hammer. Just drop your hand down on the handlebars and walk over to a bike doesn't have and drop your hand down and feel the difference. And then think because that's that's the same as the wheel hitting a bump. Yep. And then feel the difference in what your what your hand feels when you do that. And that's every single bump you hit all day. Long. Yeah. When you're when you're doing that all day long, you're you're involuntarily clenching and squeezing which fatigues you and beats you up over the course of the day. So by absorbing that abuse, um, you, you stay fresher longer. You're, you're not thinking about holding on. The limiting factor for so many people in riding is their arms, hands, wrists, because, you know, they're sitting at a desk and whatnot, and we basically eliminate that and make it so you can ride comfortably all day. Yeah. I, I, and, and so when I really met Cole was when they did the median introduction of the flex bars, and what year was this? 2002, end of 2002. 2002. So, because um, uh, I see your brother was racing. Yeah, we he my brother knew you, and I mean, yeah, because yeah. he was I every because he was doing nationals at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, every once in a while I come back and do like an SRA Grand Prix. Yeah, and I I get pissed off because it, I could beat him for like three laps, and then he was fast. I mean, I, I was I was pretty fast, but he was faster. Hmm. And, okay. and so if it was, it was really off road then I stood a chance, but, yeah. but, uh, and then, um, uh, and then, but they did this big media intro, which was kind of strange for a quote handlebar company. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, they were like all in and, and yeah, we and, had everybody there. Yeah. You, we you, had, you, uh, I don't know how, I, I don't know. We had Marnique, Mar, uh, Marnique Bravotes, the 500 world champ. Uh, but you had you had all the media. I mean, at the time it was yeah. the magazines. It was yeah. it was it was Dirt Rider and Dirt Bike, and I was at Cycle World at the time. Mm-hmm. I was still at Cycle World. Cycle World, and um, there was it was it was a, it was actually kind of small. But you had everybody. Yeah. And again, it was it was like you were introducing a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and they had these at the time. And I'm, I'm saying this you know politely, the goofy handlebars. Yeah. That <laughs> that, that we were kids, like we were young, super <laughs> young, but. Just um, we had a really good team around us, and because you you you've been making the torque wrenches for the mm-hmm. spokes. Yep, that was spoke that torque was wrench, out. and a vibration barn search for mock spacers, and like all the factory. Oh teams. yeah, yeah. The, 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 I have those on all my bikes. Yeah, yeah. So we did that for all the factory teams, like starting '99, and um, just just because it was cool, and we had relationships, and it was fun, and and uh, so it just kind of started from there, and then. We started developing this handlebar mainly initially because my brother is six four, is a lot of leverage and leverage destroys everything. So um, he he broke a lot of wrists and ankles just making small mistakes, not necessarily crashing, just casing a jump, shorting something, just anything. It just he, he had a lot of injuries that were super frustrating because it wasn't a very big mistake. So we wanted to spread that load over a greater period of time. So. We started working on this and working on it and just refining and how and and so so like I said the the in the bars were at the time the bars were heavy mm-hmm. and and that and then everybody was I just remember like you know because I was on the other side of it yeah and 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 everybody's like 
Oh, you know, it was kind of like, what do, what do we need? Did you, did you tell us what you're introducing? I think some people knew because they, I mean, we did all our durability at Glen Helen. Yeah, out there. So I mean, we had Sean Hamblin when he rode, before he got that factory ride, when he rode that Bill's Pipes Suzuki 250 at uh, Glen Helen and did super well. Yeah. He had been doing like a massive amount of our durability all, all spring at Glen Helen with our bars and was yeah. begging to ride them there. Like they were, <laughs> that's how we kind of knew like we were really, really onto something because Sean was, you know, exceptional rider at the time and... And he was just, I mean, he would do anything he could to run the bars at the time. And um, it just, we we weren't ready for him to do so, but uh, he really solidified it. Yeah. So, so but like anything in that, it's like, okay, this is different and this is bad. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the motorcycle industry for you. It's like, oh, I'm going to put a power valve on a two-stroke. Oh, that's stupid. That's bad. Yeah. And, and the first versions and stuff may not be the best thing. Like disc brakes, no way. No way. Disc brakes will never work on dirt bikes. Um, four strokes. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, we're done with those. We tried those back in the 60s. Yeah. They don't work. So you can kind of see where the, you, you know, and that's that's sort of the, what they got with the bars. And I, I'm, I'm, I, did I have bad wrists then? So it was 2002. Yeah, I had bad wrists then. That was actually, that was at the peak of my bad. That was mm-hmm. when I, <laughs> they told me you should, <laughs> you can re- retire dis- disabled. Um, and uh, so I started, uh, I started running them. And and because I test things when I get something, yeah. Because you know, and could I feel the weight? And I'm kind of I'm picky about weight in certain areas. No, not really, not that much. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to remember. I put at that time you're talking probably a pound and a half, and now you're talking a pound. I mean, yeah. You by the time you get to the first turn, you've got more more dirt Mud. on your bike than that. So <laughs> not me. It's a, well, not you because you're out front, but everybody else <laughs> behind you. So yeah. <laughs> For so, all of us other dudes, yeah. no, it flies up off the tires. But this, so yeah. the way the way it was in consequence, but um, there was there was a bike that year, and I was switching around on, on different bikes, and I remember there was a bike that had bad forks. I, I don't remember. Probably it was probably a KTM. Yeah, the K- <laughs> I think it was a KTM. And I put them on. I put them on, and all my complaints about the forks went away. That was the first thing I noticed, and then I started noticing, hey, my wrists don't hurt after this. And 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 so I just kind of kept. I mean, I stuck them on an XR four hundred, which my problem, my problem with that was bottoming the thing out, and I'd, I'd literally been running them ever since. And I probably still have the first stinking pair that I've migrated from bikes to bike. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. Um, uh, so yeah, change the dampers. I don't know. Every year sounds good every to me. year, two years. If, yeah, yeah. Yep. If you need to, actually, the the biggest thing is try different dampers. I mean, I, I've tried different weird things where I have like a. Um, the black on the black's really hard, right? Mm-hmm. Black's really hard on the outside. Is the is the is the rebound one, Correct. and then yeah. and then like a like a blue on the inside, and just had some weird combinations, and they give different feelings, and kind of depending on the fork or what you want your wrist to do, or just leave them the way they come. Um, San Felipe Bob, believe it or not, San Felipe Bob has a question. He probably <laughs> an- did he answer his own question? Did he answer his own question in the chat room yet? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Uh, mini desert racer and single track kid. Uh, recluse clutch or standard and why? Let's go around the horn here. Kids, recluse clutch. You ever ridden one? No. What was your What was your um, What was your your fifties? What were those? Those are kind of like recluses, right? Yeah, those auto auto clutch, auto right? Clutch or KTM, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Would you like an auto clutch on your eighty five? No. No. Hmm. It. it- well, like, if I still had the clutch... Yeah. Oh, if you if you yeah. could have an auto clutch in your 85, would you? You can still use the, clu- use the clutch. I mean, 
But that'd be cool for like, I think that'd be super cool going out trail ride in the desert. Well, there, there we go. He's answering your, he's answering your question. You're gonna have to come around back here in a second. Yeah. So we see but, who's talking. Might not be able to hear you. So he, okay. So we started, we started pinning. But, okay, introduce okay. yourself. Hi, I'm Gunner Townsend. Here, scoot in. Scoot in here. Okay. Gunner Townsend. Logan, meet your replacement, because this kid likes to talk. Yeah. I'm going to have to shut him up, and then I'm going <laughs> to kick him out. But anyways, so 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 we were asking about the, the recluse first. I mean, and he's like thinking, and he starts going, the minute he started going down Trail Ride Row, right? Yeah. What'd you say? It'd be uh, cool. It'd be super cool on Trail Ride, because then, like, like, turning, like a tight turn, you wouldn't really have to just be like slipping the clutch and then like really you could just to seem easy. to like do a little more stuff like on all the rocks and all yeah. the really technical stuff yeah like if you just wanted it if you, if you wanted it like not as slip the clutch on some stuff that'd be really cool but it seems like on a moto track like it'd be cool to have but i just wonder I, how it would work like just oh they, they're the like track. cheating Trust me. Oh. Anytime, anytime, anytime they're on your bike. Well, you, you, yeah. in reality, you, I, I, when they, when they were kind of thought, you know, they're not just for girls anymore, by the way. I've, I've been running for a long time. So the, the, the funny thing is, is you have to learn how to ride it, you, you know, cause you can do some stuff with it that's, that's advantageous and you can do stuff that's um, bad for the bike too. You can not shift when you need to, cause it doesn't mean that you don't need to shift when you do. And then, and then. I put one of my instructors that helps me at my school, uh, we were at the KTM Adventure Rider Rally and he rode my 500 and he started calling it a big PW 500 because uh, he hated it. He absolutely, he just doesn't doesn't like him. And so it's a, it's a personal preference, but um, I think, uh, but here, here's, here's my thing. I think when you start them, when, when the kids, when you move up to the 65 and the 85, you should learn how to use a clutch because it just makes you more versatile and you can learn how to, you know, use the clutch. And that way, if you ever have to go to a bike that has a clutch, then you know how to use the clutch. But then if you say, hey, I really like that recluse, then I you think can go back and use If it's it. a Japanese 85 or 65, I think, especially for trail riding and technical stuff, I think it's just going to be a godsend because it eliminates something that's really difficult for them. The KTM and Husky, man, it's just so rideable in general that it there would be some benefit, but it's not as dramatic. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think they're I think they're good. I mean, um, but it's again, it's what's for. So the second Bob's second question was, um, same kid, two stroke eighty five or one hundred or a four stroke. Gotta be two stroke. Yeah, I mean anything competition wise. I mean it depends on what you're doing. If you're if you, if this kid is just going to be a trail rider, I wouldn't have a problem putting him on a CRF one hundred or a TTR one twenty five. And and then just that's an indestructible motorcycle. And for the most part, trail riding, I think you know the current eighty fives are as well. But you know they're they're pipey. They're they're meant to race. I I think the biggest thing is is having the kid on something he loves to ride. So he loves to ride, and that he's not in, not intimidated or scared of. And then you can build the skills from there. I mean that's number one. That's the the little fallout you see from a kid who starts riding motorcycles is he gets on something too aggressive and it scares him. And then he has to come back to it. So if your kid's super aggressive, for sure, I would be on a two-stroke. But if he's not so much or really learning, you can build a lot more skills on that four-stroke. Yeah. And don't listen to the kid when he's telling you, I want a two-stroke, I want a two-stroke. Make him prove to you that he's a good good rider before 
Because every, everybody, everybody wants to. They're all the kids. You always want what you, the guys have in the magazines, right? Yeah. Yeah. More <laughs> trick stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like Cooper Webb. Yeah. Oh, you got you gotta, gotta, gotta have what Cooper Webb has, huh? Yeah, you gotta get the <laughs> new like golden parts of the graphics yeah. on kids. Talk, talk louder, so talk louder and talk at that, so that we. You, so that we... you gotta get those gold graphics on the KTM because <laughs> I mean. Web has them. Like, the little, little husk. Web has them. Do you have them? No, I don't have them. <laughs> but, I mean, I have, I've been buying a husky, but... A what? A husky. Huh, they make those? I thought they. I thought that brand died a long time ago. Died. It died and came out. I, 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 test, I test rode one a couple years ago, and then they disappeared. So, um, I heard the new ones might be actually pretty good, if, oh, they, yeah, if they're still making them. Cool. Okay, uh, let's see. Do you have a KTM update? On the ECU in your 202300 XCW. No, I gave the 202300 XCW back, and yes, they do have an update. And no, I haven't ridden it. And until I do, I can't tell you whether it works or not. Um, if you just got your ECU flashed, um, test it out and tell me how it works. But you have to kind of know what the problem was or experience the problem to know whether it fixed it. Because if you don't do something very specific, which is big altitude change without shutting the bike off, you'll never have that problem. Um, and actually, this last couple of days, I've been riding a 2019 300 friend of mine. He was um, dumb, dumb enough, no, nice enough to loan me his motorcycle um, to try some things out on. And I stand by everything I said in the tests as far as the chassis being better, mostly the chassis um, being substantially better. The suspension is the chassis is making more difference in the suspension, but the suspension is improved. And it's very impressive how much better the, the, the fueling on the motor is and the way the motor runs. Um, the old one feels very lean. I, the, the new one feels lean. The old one feels very lean. And um, uh, yeah, so we're going to tune up the 19 to try to get it up to 2020 standards. See if we could do it if I don't destroy the bike uh, before I'm able to get it back to the poor guy that... Um, loaned it to me, uh, George. Thank you. <laughs> hey, George, you got a link for um, bike repair <laughs> after Jimmy rides your bike? Uh, let's see. I see he's actually putting links up there. Um, there's questions. My my internet's are working again. Uh, James Harvey asked a question. Uh, okay, Jimmy. Uh, modern fuel injected bikes are modern fuel injected bikes adversely affected by running leaded fuel. Could it, could it possibly foul a sensor? I'm in the process of reading the manual of my 300 TPI, and so far it appears nearly devoid of specific info regarding the injectors or fuel management sensor. Is there an O2 sensor? Not in the exhaust, there isn't. Um, would it matter? Uh, no. Uh, there is the section for ambient pressure programming for elevations, exactly the process you described in a previous tech talk. Drawing on the vast encyclopedic knowledge of jail, it seems like the next logical step. What's the next logical step? Oh, to go on to the next question because I can't answer this one. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a fuel expert. I'm going to get a fuel and uh, uh, chemist uh, uh, oil expert in to talk about this because I guarantee you, I, mean, I haven't even looked at the next question. It's probably, hey, Jimmy, what oil do you run? But anyways... FYI, uh, this is James again. I use 100 low lead in equipment that sits because it keeps really well. Yep, because evidently there's no ethanol in it. That's airplane fuel, by the way. Um, 
And the Octane is plenty, um, 0% ethanol and 50% the cost of race gas. Uh, yeah, that's the, the idea behind the, the low lead, the 100 low lead, is that it, it holds for a while and it's safe for flying. So, um, Chris Schmidt, Schmitten, I have a question. Just got my first bike in 25 years at age 50. I'm a surfer and we would call me a kook or an adult learner. Is there a slang term for dirt bikes for this? Okay, what do we call them? Spode. 50-year-old dude. Learning First dirt bike. Cool. Oiler. <laughs> Around the horn? You're just like Logan. You don't say anything. You got nothing to say to this. I'm thirsty. I, this kid's the he's, he's I'm thirsty by the way. So you, of, uh, you 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 keep yeah. talking. You yeah. figure out what I, you're going to call. I got a question. Okay, that that's uh, tonight think? is a uh, 100 100 annuals. You, you you ask the question. I can What pour. do you think your greatest motocross accomplishment in your career is? My greatest motocross accomplishment. Like race Do you know that they race motorcycles off-road too or only on tracks? I like oh, you did some off road. I want to go do that. Okay, I'm gonna get back. You, I don't want to talk about me all the time, so I'm gonna get back to this guy's <laughs> what, what, what we would call. I, I would say, I would say, um, Chris, we might, you know, some some people might call you a squid. Squid. Um, uh, yeah. Well, well, that that's one word that I've heard before. But uh, it's rad that you're riding. Any, anybody else? Come on. Any, anything better to call a? Good. I got it right. He just started riding. Then. Gerald. Goon. 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 Good. No, let's not be so mean. We see we, we see the our biggest problem in this industry is we need more people to come in. I'm saying, start, hey, it's rather that you're riding. Come I, to Jimmy's riding school. There, there we go. That's what. See, I was gonna up. work. I was gonna work this into a commercial for yeah. a riding school. Jimmy's riding school. <laughs> you can go from whatever you love you are, and you'll leave better. Yeah. No matter what. You right. <laughs> so um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think you're a kook. I mean, you think about it. We need more new riders, especially young riders. But it's good that you're a young 50 and you're going to get on these crazy-ass dirt bikes. And I would really wonder what your responsible friends think about you. That's what, that's what here's, I want to know. Here's something. we got two dudes in the audience here who started riding late, right? Jim, how old when you started riding? I started riding young, but then uh -huh. I stopped because I had a good oh, job. When did you start riding again? When I started riding again when I was maybe... 58. 58, 58, yeah. 59. 59, and these dudes ride. And Mark, were you a re-entry or, or never, had a dirt never had a dirt bike in your life? Just thought it was cool. What did your responsible friends think? As an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. That's what, the best decision you've ever made. Just because you know you're going to go to the you're going to go to the, the the party with the wife, and then she's going to go. My husband just ran these dirt bikes. You still think I'm an idiot? I, I don't go to those parties because like. Like my my wife takes me back to you know my big motocross accomplishment or something. Like I go to a party and they know they know her husband is a, is a, has some Hell's motorcycle. Angel. Yeah, it's like they they go. So you ride Harley's? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like riding dirt bikes, right? They're two wheels and they have handlebars. Yeah, um, throttle. Biggest <laughs> throttle. Biggest uh, motocross racing accomplishment. Yeah. I would say I I I qualified for one national. Mm -hmm. And almost almost scored points, and that was I got twenty seventh. I, I but I qualified fortieth. I was the last guy to to get in there, and I had to go through the last chance qualifier, and I finished fourth and managed to uh, managed to get a spot. And uh, and I didn't, but I didn't know how fast those guys could sprint, like on the first two laps. And and then I just kind of 
went back and then but over the course of the moto I was able to pass guys because I, I was a desert racer or endurance more endurance guy but uh, that was that was pretty big because I mean it was a, it was a hard to get into class kind of like today you know these days it's, it's hard to qualify it was really hard to qualify and I out qualified guys that were winning local pro level but I mean I, I really practiced and trained for it and I had a really good bike um, and the reason I finished fourth in the last chance qualifiers because I whole shot um, Eric Krippa tuned CR250 mm. this is what in year? 1996 oh, right before the aluminum the best frame. bike ever yeah right before the aluminum frame and, I wish uh, I had one it was that that bike ripped and I actually um, I remember we were doing starts um, they were they were letting us practice starts and uh, Lampson it was box van era too by the way mm-hmm. and Steve Lampson was parked in the box van next to us his him and McGrath um, and was he he just moved up to 250s 96 now he's still 125 he, so, so so I was I was trying I was doing starts next to one of the factory Honda guys on the factory bike, and I was pulling him, and and there and, and everybody knew Eric because Eric had been around for yeah. a long time and and uh, he was doing the media prep and 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 uh, that bike was that was fast second only to the Barkmaster 500 that I raced at Mammoth Motocross and that's story for another time so uh, okay that's my that's my moment is that good yeah you're gonna race a national someday I'm gonna race. Best design national. Best. He's a school kid that moonlights as a motocross racer. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna do some mountain biking. Mountain biking. Um, right. What's your favorite? What motocross or mountain biking? No, yeah. Motocross. He's just, he just. Remember, you gotta gotta talk. No, you gotta talk the, to that. The man. only reason I like mountain biking is because of motocross. So you kind of gotta think like. Motocrosses gave me this. So he's been hurt a lot, so he's subdued for the racing for the time being. That's good. Yeah, yeah. you learn, and that's the other thing about like everybody says, isn't you know it's so dangerous to do your kids. I mean, not the, not the getting hurt is good, but you learn consequences because yeah. if you're sitting here playing this thing all day, like the worst thing goes, oh, that's then like you're bummed out and you feel hurt. <laughs> what, what hurts more when you get hurt, breaking the bones or like the anguish of knowing you can't finish your moto or race the next one? <laughs> Yeah, that, that hurts. Oh, don't talk about yeah. breaking bones. It, well, I'm just saying, that's how <laughs> you know I'm just talking about bumps and bruises, because that's all that ever is supposed to happen, right? Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, what? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, question on the KTM 350 video. Um, Stefan Sherwin asks, I'm interested to see your thoughts on the Honda 450L. Well, so I, I posted a link to the video that we did on the Honda 450L, and I don't know how you couldn't find it, but that's okay. Um, uh, we do, you, you gotta search for our stuff. We're not that popular yet. I'm, I mean, we're barely a dirt bike testing operation because we only have like 3,000 Instagram followers, right? We're barely only three? I don't know. I don't pay attention to that stuff yeah. that much. You're an influencer. Okay, you need to, don't call me that. You need to um, tell your friends to like dirt bike tests or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they'll follow all of them. Yeah, follow all of them. Yeah, and then, then our videos will pop up. Oh, yeah. So, Stefan, uh, yeah, uh, sorry about that. Um, this is the drinking segment of the show, so you get to talk. I do? All righty. Um, let's see. That was good. That was enough. I just finished my um, all righty. Uh, yeah. 100 annuals. Um Mark, would you like some, by the way? I would. Yeah, come over here. I got, I got the glass over here. Have some. Um, Jim's driving you home. Yeah, good. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pigard twenty six. I think that's your name. And your call. I think you should tell a little bit about the tequila mezcal you drink. Type, cost, and value. This is not 
Tech Talk Tuesday tequila. And I can say that right now because I, I do it in moderation. Hey, I, I guess there has to be a Tech Talk Thursday tequila. Oh, really? Yeah. You driving home? <laughs> it's going to be a few years. You um, driving home? I usually, I usually name it. Um, sometimes I know the cost. Lucky enough, I have friends that are, um, what do we say? Um, con, con, Connoisseurs. Kind enough to every once in a while sponsor us uh, with the bottle. In fact, Mark, who just came up, uh, one of the very first bottles that we had, that really nice uh, Classe Azul, he sponsored us for that, and we've had a few more show up since then, so... Um, Appreciate that, uh, but I can't comment on it because I'm just only a, a low-level tequilarista, and and as soon as I get my bar stool at the bar, so I've accomplished something in my life. Um, you just graduated from warm beer, so. <laughs> uh, um, and then Four Day Adventures commented on one of our tests that we called a one beer review of a bike. He said, one beer review, awesome. Yeah, that's... that's by the drinking portion of the show. Um, uh, speaking of which, low tide? Yeah. Low tide. Uh, okay. Uh, Deborah Silver asks, uh, lovely video. She's talking about a, recru a recluse video. Also well explained. Just one thing. Does it lose engine brakes? Thanks in advance. Uh, Deborah, yes. Um, well, no. Uh, it depends on how you tune it. So she's uh, talking about a recluse clutch. Right on. Um, Thank you. That's service. Um, she's talking about a recluse clutch, and if you set it up to disengage at a slightly higher RPM, it engages at a higher RPM. It also disengages at a higher RPM, and you can use the weights inside the clutch to how it engages and disengages. So you can make the engine braking go away, or you can set it so that the engine braking... Um, would be like just having a clutch. and So imagine it's just like the little monkey inside your case is magically pulling the clutch in for you and the way you tune it depends on when he lets the lever out and when he pulls the, the clutch back in based on engine RPM. So um, uh, yes, yes or no, it, it can do either. It depends on how you, how you set it up. Um, Me Too commented, Put the camera on the helmet for a nicer view. Cheers, I like your videos. He didn't, I don't think he liked how I had the, the, the um. Belly cam? The, yeah, the belly cam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I just put it on the belly because it's like got um, better bump absorption and. Uh, you have a better view of flex handlebars. Yeah, a better view of flex handlebars when, when you do that. But unfortunately, the bike I was riding in the video was stock. Your right? hands hurt so bad. My hands hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Leos Svoboba says, damn, use stereo sound. Um, I'm a motorcycle expert. I'm not, I don't. Maybe he wants to volunteer um, to be. Yeah, come on in and uh, be yeah, our sound engineer. Um, it was a, yeah, I remember that video. I, it was, it was, I didn't push a button. Kind of like KTM and that ECU that they're fixing right now. Um, so let's see, CJ Drums asks, fantastic review. Well, CJ, can you only hear out of one ear or something? Because everybody else didn't like the, didn't like the way the, the belly cam was bouncing around and the, they only had stereo sound. So CJ, I like you. Um, good, He's, CJ Drums, you must know something about sound, right? Sounds like it. Is Sounds your, like it. Your initial CJ? No. <laughs> so um, yeah. 
we're doing our we're doing our best here. You know, low budget, uh, truthful information. Next question. Uh, I don't have your name, but I have a 2017 WR450F. What do you think of Yamaha's intake design and air filter element placement? I think they copied Cannondale. Um, <laughs> my air filter and motor oil stay much cleaner than my older WR. Copy them on, boy? No, no, no. The Canada, remember that Canada yeah, motorcycle? Yeah, it was Bike remember, of the Year, yeah. that magazine I used to work for that I didn't, and I didn't have anything to do with that. I rode one once. Once. Was it mine? One of mine? I rode some magazine bike, and it was once is enough. They're different. No, they, they, at the time, they had some traits that were good. How about the ATK one? The... The, when they bought the inventory. Oh, it was the same thing. Yeah, it wasn't anything different. They just put. They just. They actually. The ATK one. The the biggest difference is they flashed the map that I helped develop. The old. Mm -hmm. So everything that that Cannondale did is <laughs> very similar to what a current Yamaha like design wise and stuff. Which I I dare you actually one came across like a feed on Facebook that it was for sale you for need 50, that. for 50 no I don't in your garage that's the one thing you don't have it has it has Owen's it has Owen's suspension on it it was for 1500 bucks and the shock and the fork were easily worth that um, mm. I just don't need another project but um, no I mean I, th I think I think their intake design especially on a 254 stroke is ridiculously advantageous and you can see that when you watch you know Four Yamahas up at the front start of a 250 National and stuff like that. Um, it just on the 450, it, it's not so crucial because 450s make plenty of power. But when you're striving for power, that design really works. Um, I haven't really noticed a big difference in the air filter placement as far as like staying clean or not. It's funny because when you're riding around a motocross track and you start getting roosted, it's amazing like the little dirt boogers that get you know they're bouncing around inside of there because it actually sucks them into the airbox. I've never had that happen in my underseat airbox. But then, like, I've ridden across some pretty deep steams on WRs and not worried about it as sure. much. Not, it sure wasn't like my KTMs that, you know, if you stop and it just goes right into the air filter. Um, so, uh, oh, why did you ask this question? Please explain what motor oil you use in your four-stroke dirt bikes and why. I use uh, the oil that I have. So, a lot of times that's... Um, uh, a diesel motor oil that I get at, you know, someplace like that. Yeah. So you run. <laughs> what is what does Dad put in your bike? Rotella. 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 Yep, that's a. I know a lot of people that run that stuff. And sometimes I'm using, you know, some of the the brands that you read about, the really good uh, motorcycle ones, the the Maximas, the 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 Amsoils, the Lucas, the. You know, so every once in a while, stuff like that shows up. We have it to test. I test it, but it's in order to do a really strict, specific oil test. That's costly, time-consuming, and sometimes kind of it's not. You don't have such a controlled environment to to do that kind of testing, and we, you know, really don't have. I mean, I think we, there's better return for your time testing more tangible products. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Use if, the you, if, you, if, like. if you have yeah, if you have an oil that yeah, I mean, there's there's ones you know that that are good, and and I, if if we had an oil sponsor, I would tell you use that one, just because I'd say it, and, and I'd probably be using it too, and then it would be good, and then we'd all be happy, and um, uh, but I would tell you what I all the other stuff I've run, and I've run, I I make um semi-synthetic blends all the time inside my bikes. You know, when one's a little low, I just put an additive in it, mm -hmm. even if it's synthetic or not. I, I, and, and I've got a lot of bikes that are running with high hours on them 
So I'm going on experience. And so everybody that doesn't like that, um, tell me how you do it better. Uh, let's see. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. Um, I didn't get your name. Hey, wait. Stephen Sherwin's back. Um, he was the one that asked me uh, to put the video up of the Honda 450L. Uh, I'm getting off my fat 800 F800 GS. That's a BMW and looking for something a lot more trail friendly. I've narrowed it down to a Honda 450L or a 350 EXC or FE. Uh, that's that other brand. Uh, any of these three will feel light compared to the 500 pounds I use now. Correct. And your site review said the 450L wasn't as heavy as the number suggested. Correct. That's why we wrote that. Would you recommend the 350 and I just dive all the way in? Or is the 450 a better choice, possibly more reliable? I'm going to say that the, between the Honda and the KTM product, the reliability is the same. Um, if you have a problem with your bike and reliability, it's going to be a fluke. Although, if you do, make sure you take pictures of it and run to the internet and post photos so that everybody else can copy your thing and talk about how unreliable your KTM or Honda is. Um, that's just standard operating procedure, by the way. What um, do you think? I mean, if he's a little more dual sport based than straight tra trail based, 450L, better call. So, for sure, um, you know, if you're coming off an adventure bike and you're and you're you're going to a 450 or a 350 or anything like that, I mean, if you can, by by all means, go ride. Try to find a go to a demo ride. Um, I know KTM has demo rides all the time. Honda has demo rides every once in a while. Uh, Beta has demo rides. There's a lot of these companies have demo rides. Go ride the bikes, and forget about the number, because at this point you're moving from you're moving from, you know, a, a garbage truck down to you know a sports car, and they're not meant to do the same things. And I'm not saying that BMW is a garbage truck. I'm just using things that are visually uh, representative. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and I hate the BMW 800 by the way. It's really close to the KTM six. 90. Um, Mark, you know, I got one for us to ride. It's that really cool one that Rottweiler built, by the way, 690. Um, but go go ride. Get a chance to ride dirt bikes. Because In our schools, a lot of times I see guys that are adventure bike guys, and they bought a 1,200 dirt bike. And they literally say, oh, I don't want to ride one of those like 600s or 650s. And it's like, have you have you ridden a 650? And like, I mean, no, not me. I mean, why would I ride something with that little power? And I've literally put guys like that on a 250F, you know, or just even a, you know, like even not even you can F, put them a two, on anything. A two, I put them on, I put them on a smaller bike, and they're like, "Wow, that thing makes power." And then, you know, you think about if you're going like legal speed limits down the road, they'll go down the road just as fast as you need to go. It's not going to overtake something as quickly. It's not going to have that level of power. But when was the last time you were really using all that power? And on a 450, if you yank the throttle wide open oh, on a 450. It's going to want to loop. I mean, in 350s too, for that matter. So, um, I would, I, 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 um, I don't think you have to worry about reliability. Um, you don't have to worry, like we talked about in some earlier shows. I mean, the very early shows, one of the big questions was all about reliability because people go straight to the manual and say, hey, it, it says I have to change the top end every 15 hours. And it's like, I, if I did that, I would never, I wouldn't never be riding. Ride. Yeah, I'd be changing top ends all the time. So, and I don't. I mean, we're three and 400 hours, easy, um, if you just keep your air filter clean and use the oil that I just suggested in the last 
my last caller. So whatever well that was. So I think that's uh, that's through the, the the bulk of the questions. I got a question. If you had to ride any bike right now, like you could pick whatever bike brand you want, whatever CC, whatever. Mm -hmm. What bike would you ride? I only get one bike. Just one, one bike. Yes. To do anything with? Yes, to only ride one bike. One bike. You get what? Well, you okay? So you so. Close the question now. What what is your Favorite bike out of all the new bikes that have came out, like the all 2010 through well, 2020. Right now, like really the only 2020 I've ridden, but uh, but is the KTM 300. And but if you're asking me if I only get to have one bike, yeah. just the one bike, it's it's the same answer. And I've been really consistent about this for the last probably five years. It's KTM 500 because it's the one bike that I can. It's street legal, and I can go down adventure road with it. And it's it's sporty enough to where I can really ride it off road any place that I would care to go. Um, you know, it may not be the best for it. There's better bikes for everything, but it's it. I, I can take I could bike. I could take it and ride around the motocross track and have a good time. So that's the that's the one um, do it all do it all bike. That's the that's the answer. What's your favorite bike between 1990 and 1995? Anybody want to guess? Around the horn. KTM 360. Nope. No, I hated that thing. It's all cool, huh? No, starts with an H. Husaberg. <laughs> Husaberg 570. There's no, there's no competition for that bike. What's a Husaberg? That's what I said about your bike. I don't even know what your bike is. Yeah, a Husaberg 570. KTM bought them last time. Yeah, well, they turned it. They they they, they, they bought Husky, yeah. and then and then and then that's where the they killed the, it. The Husabergs. Hey, um. Uh, we have another question on the thing. I have over 40,000 miles and 1,600 hours on my flex bars. Is there some kind of maintenance I should do on them? If, if so, when? Um, I would replace the elastomers at this point. Um, you're welcome to send them to us for a factory fresh. We'll go through the pivot points, put new fiber bushings in, new elastomers, bolts, hardware. Um, yeah, just go through and make sure everything's good. If they're working as they've always worked just keep running them i mean it's pretty apparent if you if they're not working but that's that's really rare so nobody well, said he, he said he did that in two months in two months no that's <laughs> jimmy that's jimmy no it's, it took you three yeah you uh, i don't i don't there. i don't do those kind of miles you better get out there <laughs> um yeah and you can use that code dbt Yes, DBT. you get ten percent off on your rebuild. Call it in, or we prefer to talk to you. Call call it in because then we can really go over your specifics and be sure we have everything dialed in for you. Yep. Um, I see Logan is uh, telling me I have a lot of followers. Good job, Logan. Not talking much, but um, uh, let's see. Cannondale MC for sale. So that's what George did. George, you just bought a Ford Raptor, by the way. Um, he should have bought like a fleet of Cannondales. And that'd be so much better than a Ford Raptor. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, what oils will seize up the new TPI bikes? I don't know. We're going to find out with your bike. <laughs> I'm going to put some of that caster in it like I heard that, you know, um, you know, motor blower 300 on, on. They'll smell good. Some, some, yeah, caster oil. Some, you know, some other bald guy on the YouTubes that has way more followers than me that tells you how to mix the oil or something like that. Um, let's see. I'm rolling through the questions. I think we're getting kind of close here. Uh, let's see. Everyone has to start at the ground level and 
learn step by step. I think he's referring back to the guy, the 50-year-old rookie. Yep. Good, good input. Mm-hmm. Where, where could you do that at? Do what? Start at the ground level and learn step by step. So if you, if you really wanted to start learning riding, I always suggest, you know, Dirt Bike School, which is the Motorcycle Safety Foundation's program. And even their, even their on-street basic rider course is good if you are confused about what you're going to ride. Like, is it, oh, it's a, a motorcycle? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So you know, that's a great place to start. Like where we start teaching and a lot of the other schools, they're kind of like, you're, you've been riding for a little while. Because if, if, if you're still working on some of the basic stuff, we're going to go right over your head real quick and then it's not going to be too too fruitful so start start there um and especially with the kids uh and there's now there's the um usmca which is united states motorcycle coaching association and they have a website and i'm a certified usmca coach uh and there's a lot of others and they have links and references to, to that group everybody has different ways of teaching in that group and they also tell you who they um address and who they will speak to um, so, you know, if you're interested in track focus, they, they have the guys that are doing the track training and, and guys that are doing uh, on-road and, and all different kinds of stuff. So it's a, they give us a background check. Amazingly, I passed. Um, so if you, you know, you don't have to worry about kind of, you know, bad people doing that. Um, that's a great place to start as well. So especially, especially if you have kids, you know, younger, younger guys that are wanting to get into it. Maybe they're at that level where, and especially if you're the parents, I mean, you don't want to listen to your parents too much, do you? What? Oh, how about you? You're just saying that because they're right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk around the corner here. <laughs> no. Still probably say his thing. That's good. Yeah. Good kids. How'd you get these kids like that? That's really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I didn't see that. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, uh, so yeah, that's, the, that's probably some of the best ways to um, uh, get started in advance and progress and, and technique and fundamentals i think a big thing is not to just give you another plug but having gone to a bunch of your schools and just ridden riding with you and just picking up tips and then doing instructing these kids and a bunch of other kids technique fundamentals balance point that's those are just crucial things to controlling the motorcycle in a safe manner and you know, as a parent the biggest thing for for us was being sure they learned to ride appropriately in the safest manner. That was the safest way to do it. So the balance points, the body positioning, the technique, the fundamentals, it's it's overlooked a lot of times, and that's the, the key but, component. But then keeping it fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky when I was growing up. My, my dad um, always just said, as long as you're trying your hardest, you know, as long as you're out there having fun and trying your hardest, that's what matters. And, and trying your hardest didn't mean just like, you know, just giving it all on your track. It meant, you know, making sure your bike was prepped and stuff like that. But if I didn't, if I didn't work on my bike or if I didn't, you know, keep my grades up, that just meant the motorcycles went away. It was, he wasn't mad at me. It was just like the motorcycle disappeared. Yeah, it's like, totally. you're, yeah, you, you, it was something that was, that was, that, that was a reward and I treated it like that. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. That's the only thing that really kept me motivated in school in all honesty, that and then as I got better, keep medical insurance by going to school. So um, there's a side effect to everything. For sure. Uh, but anyway, I see it because I've had, I've had, you know, mini bike dads come over to me and say, will you coach my kid? And I'm like, have him come and ask me. And, and literally, I would rather, um, 
you know, it's like, it's like, I want some motivation from the, from the kid to say, Hey, I, I want to do this. And then you got to find out. And the first thing I ask kids like, Hey, where, where do you, what do you want to do? And it's like, you, do you, do you want to be a supercross champion or do you just want to be really good at riding motorcycles? Cause that's kind of different paths you're going to, sure. you're going to put them yeah. on. And one of them isn't the, the, the chance of success is minimal and, and it's a whole different plan is, and then if it, even I just want to be a really good motorcycle rider, I think that you would get the same result in the, in the end of the day, because if, if there is that natural talent and that, that, that motivation, and it has to be motivation from the kid, mm-hmm. you, you know, to, to, to sure. want it, to want to go do that well, be at that level, then they'll show you, they'll let you, they'll let you know for sure. And I mean, sometimes they need, you know, of course, kids, they need motivation and, 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 uh, guidance, guidance you know, and you, but don't overbear or, or, or ridiculously influence them on that stuff. That. So, um, Craig Hunter, you know, Craig Hunter, I know Craig, he's Craig got said, a rad kid. Craig says you're, you're looking slick. I know Craig Hunter too. His kid, uh, is Trevor Hunter. That's was, a good dude. Yeah. Trevor's a good dude. Uh, he's, he's the one he, he tried to knock a donkey out in Nevada. Mm-hmm. That's like, a, that's like almost a felony out there. So, uh, you can watch the video someplace on uh, dirt bike test. Uh, so, um, let's see. I won flex bar certificate a few years back and a Heron Hound National. Can I still use it? This is Victor, the popsicle guy. Do you, one of your kids like popsicles. I saw him yeah, around yeah. popsicles. Um, what do you think? He's checking. He's checking. There's there's some nods. Victor, yeah, you're up on our um, on our contact and yeah, call call in. Um, yeah, this guy Victor, you need to know him. He makes the sickest popsicles ever. Yeah, maybe he'll like, pay in popsicles. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Victor, you might you might send one of those freeze locks boxes out here, and you might that might make your certificate work better. Yeah. Uh, the toxic sign company says, "Jimmy, I'm late. What happened to Jimmy's head? Did he get a dirt bike uh, Chanel shirt? I don't I don't know. No, my head. I bumped my head into the into the motorhome a little bit, but that's normal. Um, Let's see. Um, where are we at, Dennis? What kind of handguards will work best with the flex bars? Um, we have our own guard line, the Simple Solution guards, and they're the easiest bolt-on for most people. But if you have a, are they are they wrap around? They're full wrap around. Full wrap around. They go to our pivot pin, and they go to the pivot. That's yeah. important. This is something I, I tell people all the time: is the whole thing moves, so yeah. they have to. The, there, the, it doesn't have to necessarily go directly to the pivot pin, but it needs to be able to articulate at some point. So um, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. If you have a guard preference, call or email us, and we'll give you tell you what what mount you need to use that. Um, if you don't have a guard preference, the simple solution guard is just the easiest way to put wraparound hand guards on. Uh, Dave Scott asks, Jimmy, are you using a recluse clutch on your 1090? No. And I don't have one on any adventure bike. I've ridden them on the adventure bikes. And the biggest reason that I don't is I don't really ride super technical stuff that often. But majority of times I have to do demos on my adventure bikes. I do teaching a lot of my adventure bikes. And so, because I have to teach clutch control, I leave my bike standard in that way. Uh, And and for instance, I do a lot of my teaching, believe it or not, on one of my Husabergs. That's a 570, you may have heard me talk about it. It has so much power. Like, like it's I have fun. a hard, I have a hard time keeping tires on because it's so much power. But I have a regular clutch next. I mean, I can throw the roost so far back on that bike. But um, no, no, uh, I don't use the recluse on the bigger bikes. Like I said, I've ridden them and they um, they work pretty good. Uh, let's see, Squid Spode. 
those are the answers. Goon, um, squid. Let's see. A squid is riding without gear. Right on, Victor. Yeah, so you're not a squid if you leave your gear on. Um, let's see. Everyone has to start at the ground level. Let's see. I think we've hit those ones before. I'm going to roll up to the top. And I think we've done that. Okay. I think we're almost out of questions. Do you have any more questions for me? Um, yeah, just show, show notes there. We're doing I mean, prep. I got some, like, generic. How were the tacos today, by stuff. the way? Tacos were super good. I made motor motorhome tacos. Those are almost like street cart tacos, but you take all the different meat that you've cooked up on your on your trip and you chop it all up and you throw it in the tacos with the cheese and it was Here's good. a question. When's the last time you ate a meal with a plate? <laughs> right? <laughs> Ever? <laughs> when was the last? I, I, sat, I, did, I sat down at a dinner. I, you were not forced yeah, to. Yeah, they, they, they took, I bought you dinner. Mark bought me dinner the other night, and I think there was a... Was that a plate? That was, was that place is pretty foo-foo. Okay. It sure wasn't a carved-out piece of wood that, that they served us on. It was a really nice place. I mean, it was yeah. out of my league. I mean, it was like, I think it was like $14 hamburger. It was out of control. Um, they had plates, yeah. Had plates. I ate at the KTM dinner, at the Adventure Rider dinner. They had plates there. I had, you, I had, what about a I dinner you do, made or were responsible for with the plate? <laughs> you don't even have a plate in that motorhome. No, I have some plates. In case yeah. Heather shows up. They're hers. Yeah, yeah that's... No, I don't... I, it, I, it's just like one extra dish to wash, you know? It's like, no, no problem. Yeah. Paper towels work just fine. Mm-hmm. My hand... These they, they, these served us for centuries to, to put... To put to take food and put it into your mouth. Does it matter what kind of plate? Paper or plastic? No, I've just... I mean, yeah. I've ate a lot of meals with him and never, ever... Because it usually comes ever. right off the grill and it goes yeah. in your hand. And yeah, it's good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Shipper dogs. Yeah. Steak. Salsa you made was good. Salsa? Yeah, it was yeah, good, yeah. Was really pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Pizza. Yeah. Pizza is like it's a plate. It's a it's a, the the food has built itself into the plate. It's like a taco. It's, it's a, a New York it's taco. It's a multi it's multi, New York multi taco. like a New York taco is a pizza. And Jim Jim from New York. Uh, good good info. So this isn't a cooking show. Let's move on to the next well, question. Well you brought up the tacos. No, you you'd ask me about plates. Yeah, that was oh. a follow-up. <laughs> So, um, I mean, you know, generic stuff that I, I think leads back to your background, you know, like just, I, I don't know, most people don't realize uh, like your, your history. So, mm-hmm. you know, your favorite discipline, favorite race, it's kind of generic stuff. But I mean, you've got to have some really rad stories about the car, about Baja, about spending the night on the trail. Let's hear your you know, best actually, I don't, I don't have too many spending the night on the trail stories. Really, I really don't. Um, just because I think I'm... Um, I try to be prepared. I try to ride equipment that's well maintained. I and I can I have a have a sense, a, an extra sense that, that like oh this thing's breaking or, you know, yeah. Um, so no, not too many. Um, spend the night on the trail stories. Uh, I had I I wish I would have been like a little bit better at racing, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been nice. Um, but uh, I had some good good success at that. Um, and it was, but it was always, my racing was always, I want, that's what I want to do. Like, what was the next thing? And then maybe to, to my fault sometimes, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't stick with like a kind of a discipline because actually what I would feel when I was racing is like, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to be the best at that. 
And, and, but I, and then at the same time, I'd be getting an interest in, you know, when I was at motocross, I said, I went out and had fun riding off road and I'm like, I could be good at that. Maybe I could be the best mm-hmm. at something there. And then there's all these different disciplines, whether it was enduro or desert racing or, you know, trying to go GNCCs, which I mean, I sucked at those. Like the three hour long race was my, was my nemesis. Like 45 minutes, I'll smoke you. Six hours, I got you covered. But something about this three hour thing was, was, was tough. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, then I, you know, rally. Oh yeah. Rally extreme enduro. Oh yeah. I want to go over here and do that. Mm-hmm. So by then I was too old. <laughs> I, yeah. found, I found something I really liked and I was too old. So it was kind of like all my trail rides. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a good ride. Started a dirt bike. Dirt bike. I was an in, in intern at dirt bike magazine. Uh, and then started riding for cycle news when I got injured once. So I was doing like race coverage and, and was testing, you know, testing bikes and doing things. Started testing for Cycle World magazine. Got hired at Cycle World. Probably 90, 2002, uh, 92, 90, 90, 90, I can't, 86, 90, <laughs> 92, I think, 93 is when I started doing that stuff. I got hired at, 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 at cycle world in 96 sounds about right yeah about 96 was there for 12 years did you have a ktm deal in the early 90s yeah it's factory rider for for what discipline desert racing desert 125 desert racing i had a factory ride and then and then to go do isd and stuff like that but yeah so i was a isuzu box fan days iveco 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 a Veco box van. That was, yeah, legendary van. Oh, there's a story about that that happened right up the highway here. Hmm. What happened? <laughs> catch on fire? George, you know, I don't think, I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> no, it didn't catch on fire. It was a burning desire is what there was in that box van. Mm. Bad times. Uh, okay, and so I think, I think uh, yeah, with that, there, there's my history. If you haven't um, had my history, thanks, Cole, for drilling down in that. Um, uh, if anybody doesn't hold up, hold up the new new flex handlebars. Somebody grab grab that, just so everybody can see what. A, if we've been sitting here talking about the flex handlebars, and Fast Company also makes um, a super awesome spoke wrench. Uh, the brake pedal, um, the brake return spring, return yeah, spring that's, that's I mean, you've that's been a, a fan of that product forever. It's an underrated product. It's mm-hmm. like just a little thing, but if you like to have really good feel of your rear brake, and I use mine like an on-off switch, but I want it to work like an on-off switch too. Um, that's a good thing. You guys make uh, foot pegs. Yep, foot pegs absorb vibration and abuse, and the super super good traction, traditional feel. The regular flex handlebars for your motorcycle, and these mountain bike bars, mountain bike bars, which are, I am gonna need a set of these pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. I gotta figure. I gotta find. I gotta find a good mountain bike. Probably an electric one because I'm getting old and fat. You need so, a sponsor. Yeah, a sponsor for mountain bike handlebars. No, oh, we'll, for we'll for talk. a mountain bike. Mountain bike. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways. Uh, with that, um, I would like to, uh, look, I like it at the end. I think you guys see all the little, little mm-hmm. happy things it's like fireworks going off on the side of that thing. That's uh, cool. pretty cool, huh? Yeah. One day you'll have your own podcast too. Yeah. Actually, you should come down and work for me. I hired children and to, I just lock you in this room and you just edit all the, the podcast. So who's a worker? So. <laughs> cool. Well, I saw he was working on what illustrator did or yeah. something. That's crazy. He did a, a warning sticker for mountain bike bars. Right on. So uh, they're cheap too, kids. Yeah, awesome. So anyways, thanks a lot, guys, for watching. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday uh, talking about uh, dirt bikes and dirt bike-related products. And for Cole and for...
Gunner. Yeah. Gunner. I'm bad with names. You notice that yet? I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will uh, see you next week. So, cheers. Good night.